The healthcare industry has undergone transformational change in the past 10 years, especially as it relates to the implementation of technology. Even so, there's much more to do and many companies are out there doing it, but you don't know about them. At Intrepid Healthcare, our podcast will bring you the crazy ones, the rebels, the troublemakers, the ones who see things differently. The people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world in healthcare. So sit tight and enjoy as we tell the story of another thought leading trailblazer. Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, and I'm really looking forward to speaking with yet another trailblazing innovator who comes to our show today to discuss how his company is leveraging telemedicine extensively. We're going to get right to it today. We're joined by Hunter Howard, president of Hormone Therapeutics. Hunter, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for making the time to be with us today. As we get started here, could you take a few minutes and tell us about your background in healthcare and as an entrepreneur? Absolutely. So I guess I started three health IT companies and really based on the opportunity I've seen to improve the inefficiencies in the healthcare system. And the newest one I've started about a year ago, really excited about employees, a direct-to-consumer telemedicine platform. Let me take a step back first, I guess. I joined Dell out of business school in the 90s and was really excited about being in a startup tech culture. Towards the end, I was re-engineering U.S. business units and moving them overseas as Dell was a first mover and really developing a global labor force. So I want to adopt those business philosophies and apply that to another industry. I really looked at about 20 different industries, created a matrix, and found that medical billing and insurance claim processing really offer the best opportunity for disruption due to its scale, inefficiencies, fragmentation. I guess about 70% of the industry's cost structure was in its employees. So just inefficiencies in healthcare systems what drove me into the industry for the first time to start my first company. I knew we could create a better mousetrap with more talented and lower-cost employees, improved processes, and advanced metrics management the industry had not seen previously, since it wasn't really leading edge in some of those aspects. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's only someone in their 20s or 30s would decide to start a company on the other side of the world on an island in an industry they had no experience in. But that's really why entrepreneurs and the younger ones are, are often the best one. And today, I analyze risk and probability outcomes very differently than I did back then. So we built Medigain in Colombo, Sri Lanka, a beautiful island off the coast of India to manage billing and revenue cycles for U.S. hospitals. Sri Lanka, you know, we were big fish in a small pond there, hired the best and the brightest there because there was a civil war going on there at the time and we didn't have the competition that they had in India or the Philippines. So the multinationals weren't coming there. Trust me, it made sense at the time. We worked to our advantage. We just rolled up our sleeves, we were young and worked really hard to make it work. We had about nearly 1,000 employees, and we actually even had our account management overseas, which is really kind of unheard of. But after seven years, the Civil War finally ended, and then private equity firms started coming in, and they made us an offer, and we decided to sell the company. So, And that was really kind of my first launch into healthcare. What was next after that? Yeah, I traveled for a bit, and then I started a healthcare consulting firm around revenue cycle management, hospitals, and helping physician offices and hospitals improve their back offices. Really started spending a lot of time analyzing the Affordable Care Act also. Saw that as kind of the more complexity, you know, meant more opportunity for people to understand it better than others out there. And so kept keeping my eye out for the next scalable business opportunity while focusing on the ACA and, and helping hospitals improve their back offices. So was working on that and 
had a couple of ideas that came up, but finally, a private equity firm that I was working with was looking at buying one of the chains of low testosterone centers, and we looked at the deal together. At this point, I was trying to find opportunities that were not the big battleships that were, that are really kind of so important in healthcare, but these slow-moving battleships, I'm trying to figure ways to fit in between them where there's these multi-billion dollar niches. And so was working with this private equity firm, and we loved the industry around the low testosterone, loved the economics, but we had reservations around the slow, costly growth plan through retail expansion, and so we eventually walked away from the deal. That was really difficult for me to walk away because we were so excited about it. Right. But yeah, I started thinking about like Adele going direct to consumers. How do you do that in healthcare? So I spent the next couple of months really diving deep into the regulatory environment, looking at all the appropriate federal and state regulations. I really enjoy getting super wonky and understanding things that most of the people out there don't understand. Then I, I took a three-inch binder to the biggest healthcare law firm in Texas to kick the tires on my thesis of treating patients through virtual visits rather than retail clinics. As you can imagine, these laws are really complex you know, at the federal level, but each state's even more complex, and they're unique and so we worked with them, figured out a plan that worked, and had to identify an operational plan for every single state while also developing kind of a, a national network of physicians. Came up with the plan at that point. That was, you know, when I was getting excited, ready to go. Good deal. And this is where you came across that telemedicine would work for this specialty. How'd that come about? Yeah. So we had looking at how do you do this by going direct to consumers without retail? What are the laws? And so you know, after spending all this time with the law firms, we figured out a way that I guess what we're saying now is that we're kind of like a teledoc and dollar shave club for the low testosterone space. And we believe that access to specialists is one of the key opportunities in telemedicine that you know, we're really just starting to see right now. Absolutely. For us, our telemedicine platform provides access to world-class specialist physicians the type of physicians that are available if you're in New York, Miami, or L.A., but extremely expensive. In those vanity cities, you've got options, but they're going to be very expensive. But then if you're not in those cities and you're in a place like Springfield or Topeka, you don't have any trained experts in this area. So we decided we could build a model and market direct to consumers wherever they were, ship them their monthly prescriptions, manage the progress, manage their blood tests. And you know, that's kind of the basic thesis that we kind of decided to work with and, and launch this initiative and launch Hormone Therapeutics. What exactly is hormone and testosterone replacement therapy? Why is it growing so fast? It's been an interesting industry. In fact, it's grown from $2 billion to $5 billion in the last three years. So hormone replacement therapy or hormone balancing, it's an incredibly critical step for so many people to live more energetic, productive, happier, or healthier lives as they age. And so as the industry has doubled, we looked at why it was doubling, and it's really because of consumer demand. But then we saw the channels that were growing so rapidly, and it's, there's really two. It's the specialists in the vanity cities, or it's the primary care doctors. So these expert you know, specialists are very expensive. They're really trying to sell you a suite of all these anti-aging treatments. Or then the primary care physicians or the endocrinologists, they can treat hormone depletion, but they simply were never taught how to do this in medical school, how to optimize a balanced system. This is all kind of very new that people are understanding this. And so we're easier, more cost-effective, we're convenient, and more private, obviously, than regular trips to a doctor's office for shots once a week. So we work around the patient's schedule and location through teleconsultations after initial face-to-face -face meetings and regular blood testing. It's interesting where 100 years ago, the average age of life was 48. Today, it's 78 due to improvements in healthcare, science, easier and less stressful lifestyles that our great-grandparents had. So 
we all accept using glasses or hearing aids on our eyes and ears as they decline. It's only been recently that we're starting to understand how unhealthy it is to live with declining endocrine organs. And so for a long time, testosterone had a bad connotation. Uh, There were some inaccurate clinical studies in the 1940s that we now know were just inaccurate studies. And just whether it was Barry Bonds or Lance Armstrong or East German athletes, just the steroid abuse by bodybuilders and athletes just created a a connotation that wasn't really healthy for people's lifestyles. But what we're talking about isn't jacking up someone's testosterone levels. What we're talking about is really balancing the symphony of hormones in the body to make them all work together the way that you do when you're younger. And as your hormones get depleted, your body is unable to kind of work the way it's supposed to work. And because it's gone from 48 to 78 so quickly, you know, we believe that the endocrine system is something that is so impactful to living really a healthy life. We mostly market low T to men who know that something's off in their bodies and they understand that message that they just don't feel right. But once we run their blood tests and examine their symptoms, medical history, we often see other issues, whether it's a thyroid or their pituitary or excessive estrogen levels. If a man's been taking Propecia for 20 years, they probably have excessive estrogen levels. And there's many other reasons why things might happen. In fact, we've even identified early stage cancer in a couple of patients. It's so key to get these men in there, get them tested and find out what is going on with their systems. And and the studies are getting fascinating too. As people are really focusing on this area, and one recent study showed that 80,000 retired U.S. Army veterans who had low testosterone levels and were supplemented back to normal levels under physician guidance, of course, they had reduced chance for prostate cancer, heart attack, stroke, and even death. Now, let me repeat that. That's, wow. These U.S. Army veterans, once they were taken from low levels back to normal levels, nothing, we're not taking them to crazy levels, just back to normal levels, it reduced their risk for cancer, heart attack, stroke, and death. So the FDA is seeking more studies, but there's a growing understanding by advanced physicians that maintaining a healthy endocrine system leads to just longer, healthier, more energetic, more productive, and just more enjoyable lives. We've had a lot of different telemedicine companies on our show, as you know, the last couple of months. How are you different from other telemedicine solutions? There's a lot of great companies out there, and I'm just so excited to see what everybody is doing in the marketplace and just kind of changing healthcare and making it more patient-centric. And what we see for a lot of these guys is that, that these telemedicine companies are what I would call kind of transactional delivery models. We think they're great and very important to providing anywhere, anytime service. They're reducing the cost or they're reducing the number of visits to accountable care organizations that are responsible for population health management and keeping costs down. Right. But many of these telemedicine companies really are focusing on on-demand, acute, or urgent care services. If you have children, they typically only see a doctor about four times a year. But with a child in particular, they often require a stethoscope to listen to their lungs or the ability to look in their eyes or down their throats. So those models work transactionally, but we're focusing on what we call a subscription model around chronic care management and a continuing care relationship as we manage monthly treatments and care. So we see that subscription model as such an important piece to who we are. The subscription Typically, it creates a higher lifetime value for a patient if you satisfy the patient's needs and keep them satisfied for years. So we've had to create a very complex network of national physicians, clinical trial researchers, blood testing centers, national pharmacies, and our expert specialists to provide this world-class care to any patient wherever they might live. And one of our doctors just even wrote a book, Dr. Kevin Light wrote a book called Outsmart Aging. And so putting this all together, it's the continuing care is what we're focusing on rather than a transactional piece to help somebody in acute care need. Got it. You mentioned the rise of patient-centered care. How do you see telemedicine and patient-centered care changing U.S. healthcare? It's amazing. First, being in a tech world, 
that you know, healthcare is probably the last industry to see digital disruption make the dramatic change that it did. I guess when we saw banking moving online, Uber is this massively growing company, but doesn't even own any cars. Airbnb can make anyone's home a hotel and Netflix and so many other companies are just disrupting industries with an on-demand world. And that's what patients and consumers are expecting these days. So, oh my God, healthcare is keeping the fax industry alive. So that's, <laughs> oh, that's how far behind we are. And that's where the opportunity is for entrepreneurs. And that's what's exciting. So traditionally getting a quick question answered are the results and interpretation of a blood test and scheduling another appointment weeks out. Literally spending on average 121 minutes of wasted time between being in your car, parking, sitting in a waiting room next to other sick people, to get six to eight minutes with a physician or usually a nurse to answer a question they could have answered. So on demand, anywhere, anytime, that is where we think a lot of this patient-centric healthcare is going. Healthcare is no longer constrained by the physician's location and schedule. You're seeing patients get access to health records and manage their health more effectively and get on-demand answers to these questions. We're starting to see terms like LTV and CAC to assess direct-to-consumer digital growth strategies, which is very new to healthcare, and CAC being the cost to acquire a customer or a patient, or LTV being the lifetime value of the patient. And that is just, healthcare is catching up to digital tech philosophies and, and growth. So look at digital health trends, and the ACA is forcing providers, I guess, to increase their business acumen around a lot of these things. And they're becoming smarter healthcare consumers. The patients are also, and taking more responsibility for their own health. We're really in the early innings, I think, of dramatic changes that should really benefit everyone, probably except for maybe the physicians, systems, administrators, or payers. Just they're not able to adapt. So you will be left behind if you can't. What an amazing story you're telling about something that you're taking a part of healthcare and you're getting us into the 2000s and the 2015s with it. What a great thing. If balancing hormones is phase one for what you're trying to do, where do you go once you've established that virtual patient platform? Yeah, that's a good question. When I first took that binder of research to the law firm, and we're trying to assess the opportunity with the virtual visits, one of the things I actually asked them was, help me analyze this opportunity the way Wayne Gretzky would analyze an opportunity. Look where the puck is now, but more importantly, most of the regulations haven't been developed yet. These are going to be emerging care trends, and we're really creating them. And so let's make sure to set ourselves up to take advantage of where the puck is going to be. So today we're working with a number of healthcare law firms around the country, with the American Telemedicine Association. We're working with federal and state government lobbyists to keep abreast of everything that's going on and where everything is going. So I guess as we build our company, we're developing this virtual concierge executive health wellness platform. I know that sounds like a lot of buzzwords, but what we're trying to develop is a personalized health management system where we provide a transparent health dashboard and use that as an information system and work with and optimize a patient's health in the comfort of their own home or office. We're employing blood testing, genetic testing, wearables. We have diet, exercise, and sleep tracking and coaching to optimize one's health. These type of things are available to billionaires and professional athletes today, but we're making it affordable, we're making it convenient, and we're making it private. We see a lot of other opportunities, I guess, down the ice rink, as you could say. I'll save that for our next podcast. Perfect. Hunter, I do have a question that we hadn't got to or touched on yet. 
How does insurance play into this? Are some of the things you provide covered? Are they all covered? Is that why you're working with the state and local governments and the ATA? So we are assessing all of it as we go. And we are right now accepting insurance for some of uh, our procedures and treatments. And for many of them, we're not because people are actually willing to pay out of pocket for this. And having founded and managed a medical billing company, I understand that world as well as anybody. Right. You know, one of the interesting things that I also learned at Dell was having a positive cash conversion cycle. And so not having to wait 45 days for an <laughs> insurance company to pay if someone's willing to pay cash on these things is really a better business philosophy. So we're evolving kind of how we're going to take insurance payments over time. And right now we're primarily cash-based system. Well, it's interesting because as I peeled the layers back and not necessarily in what we put on air, but in the after conversations with a lot of these telemedicine companies, my observation is the ones that are really growing and let's say kicking it are the cash-based ones. And that's because they are more consumer oriented and they're delivering their service at such a price that it's just like they're selling TVs at Best Buy. You give the best product and you provide exactly what consumers want and they'll pay cash for it. And I'm hoping that the greater healthcare starts to understand that we are becoming consumers very fast, us Americans. Joe, you're exactly right about that. I've seen the exact same trends out there and we're trying to deliver a better product, a better service, and a product that someone wants to buy. And the consumers are willing to do that. If you can do that, you're going to have a successful business or a successful healthcare company. And that's where we're trying to be. That's great. Hunter, as we wrap up for today, before I let you go, where should people go to learn more about the great things you guys are doing at Hormone Therapeutics? Absolutely. So you come to our website, www.hormonetherapeutics.com, and we've got a lot of information on what we do, and happy for you to come there and and learn more and, and reach out and contact us. Hunter, thanks so much for joining us, sharing your wisdom, and really educating us on a new part of this market and another great way to leverage telemedicine. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. That wraps this broadcast. On behalf of our guest, Hunter Howard, I'm Joe LaBelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare.